One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. This, I think, is episode 123, in which case I'm sure it's some kind of new world record. Not really kind of um, world record in the, in the Guinness Book of World Records, just in the kind of Luke's English Podcast Book of World Records. Um, in that case, then, it is a, a new world record, the, um, what, the, 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 the highest number of podcasts uh, recorded and uploaded by someone called Luke um, on the website Luke's English Podcast, then it's definitely a new world record. Um, so thanks for listening. How are you? I hope that you're well. I hope you're fine. Um, in this episode, um, I'm basically going to talk to you about what's been going on. So what's been going on recently? That's what I'm going to be talking about. I'll give you some news about um, Luke's English Podcast and what's been going on with that. And then we'll, 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 we'll uh, I can't speak. Then we will uh, talk a little bit about um, what's generally been going on in the world, in the news. Okay, what's been happening? Um, okay, so that's what you've got uh, in store for you. If you visit the web page, I'm not going to tell you the address because you obviously know it by now. Um, if you do visit the page for this episode, then you might well find bits of text um, relating to some of the news stories in which I'll be. Uh, talking about. Uh, you can actually read some of the text there. You might be able to read the stories. You can certainly find bits of vocabulary there uh, which you can sort of learn and help to improve yourself with in. I don't know if that if that was a correct sentence, what I just said there. Certainly because I ended it with two prepositions. Now traditionally you're not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition, right? You're not meant to say, um, let's see, uh, um, a book, I read it in. You know, you can't say something like that. You'd have to say a book in which I read it. Uh, so anyway, I can't even remember the sentence I just used. Uh, uh, but anyway, te technically, I'm not sure it was a, a proper sentence, but it doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't matter. But, any, you know, that's the thing about doing a podcast like this, recording it with your voice. It's not like writing a blog or writing an email, because in both of those cases, you can go back and kind of correct or edit some of the things that you've put down. But it's not the case with um, Luke's English Podcast, or any podcast for that matter. Not really, because when you're recording it, that's it. You only get one chance to do it. So it's kind of life on the edge. You know, it's sort of like um, living in the danger zone when you're recording a podcast. Um, so, you know, just I'd like you to remember that, because it might just help to give you an idea of what it's really like to record an episode of one of these podcasts. It's exciting, it's, it's risky, it's dangerous, it's action-packed. No one really knows what's going to happen, and if it does happen, that's it. We can't easily go back and change and edit it. I mean, I could go back and edit it, but I'd have to kind of cut and paste bits of the episode. I'd have to chop out the thing that I said wrong and somehow kind of re-record uh, the, the missing bit, and it would sound fake, it would sound obvious, so um, that's not what's going to happen. Um, no, it's living on the living by the I think flying by the seat of your pants, living on the edge of your seat, 
um, and just, you know, let's just see what happens, okay? So it's very exciting, it's very dramatic. Right, okay, what's been going on? What has been going on? What has been happening? Well, first of all, I should just mention something about that verb form. I mean, since this is an English language podcast, I should probably sort of talk about the grammar of what I'm saying sometimes. Not too much, because I, I understand that it's extremely boring to go on and on and on about grammar. But anyway, what has been going on? Well, that's a bit like saying, what is going on? What's going on? What's happening? Right? And that's easy to understand. It just means, what is happening now? What are you doing? Right? But if you say, what has been going on? Or what have you been doing? That's what present perfect continuous so the period of time we're talking about is not just now, but sort of now and uh, the past as well. So maybe since the last time that I spoke to you, uh, what has been going on or what has been going on recently. Okay, And it's the kind of thing that you would say to someone if you hadn't seen them for a while, like a friend of yours, and say, hey, how's it going? How have you been? What have you been up to? What have you been doing? Uh, what's been going on? Right? Well, I'm going to tell you that now. So you, you might come up to me, if you imagine this is a conversation sort of, I don't know, in the street, although it would be a bit weird to just come up to me in the street. But let's say we bumped into each other in the street. You could sort of say, hey, Luke, hi, how are you? And I'd say, oh, I'm fine, um, Jose, or whatever your name is. Um, I'm fine, yeah. How have you been? Oh, I've been, I've been fine. You know, I've been quite busy. What have you been up to? Oh, this and that. Not much. The usual, really. The same old thing. All oh, right, what's been going on with you? Oh, well, you know, I just sort of I went to the moon um, and uh, sort of played golf. And uh, and then, then I decided that um, since I'd come all the way to the moon, I might as well, you know, keep going and go all the way to Mars. So I went to Mars as well. Not particularly exciting. To be honest, it's just like the moon, but it's red. I couldn't really see much of a difference. It's like the moon, but it's red and it's it's a bit colder. Than, than it is on the moon. Um, to be honest, after Mars, I was kind of disappointed. Um, so I didn't go any further. I just came home. Uh, I've just arrived just here at the station. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to. So, there you go. That's just a slightly ridiculous explanation of the expression, what's been going on. Well, what's been going on here? Well, um, first of all, I should say Happy New Year. So, Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year to all of you all over the world. Um, and um, so here we are in 2013. Um, who would have thought that we'd, we'd ever make it this far? If you if you watched a lot of Hollywood movies during the kind of uh, 20th century, uh, particularly ones made in the 70s, maybe 80s, sort of science fiction films, they always seem to suggest that it, by 2012 that there would be some kind of end of the world scenario, um, you know, some kind of Terminator 2, The Matrix that kind of thing. Well, I don't think that's happened. I mean, as far as I know, this isn't The Matrix. Um, I mean, I, I, it feels pretty real to me, uh, although I do get deja vu sometimes, uh, which makes me think twice. You know, I just think, funny, I feel like I've seen this before. Um, I'm getting deja vu. Maybe that's just a glitch in The Matrix. Or maybe it's just deja vu. I'm not really sure. But anyway, Happy New Year. I hope you had a really good time. I hope you kind of... Um, I don't know, had a good party or whatever it is that you do, spent some time with your family or your friends or something. Uh, you might have gone out to a club and got really off your head, really drunk. So I hope you've recovered by now. 
Um, whatever you did, wherever you were, I hope you had a fantastic time. And welcome to the new year, 2013. I wonder what 2013 will bring for us all. Um, we, we will find out in due course. Um, so, you, um, if, if you go to my websites, um, teacherloop.podomatic.com and teacherloop.wordpress.com, or you're uh, like a, a follower on Facebook or Twitter, then you'll know that, uh, again, it's competition time. Uh, this time last year, I was in the competition to win the best blog, the Macmillan Best Blog Award 2011, and I won it. Yes, I won it. It was brilliant and everything. Thanks for your votes. Uh, well, it's that time of year again, and I'm in the competition again. Uh, the voting closes in about four days on the 21st of January, but I have been nominated, and uh, so far, I'm doing pretty well. So I'd just like to say a very big thank you to you, my listeners, my followers, for uh, voting for me. Um, at the moment, as it stands, I'm in first place, um, and... The last time I checked, I had about 1,118 uh, votes. So if you did vote for me, then thank you very, very much. It looks like uh, I might win, uh, but I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch, because that's always a, a bad idea. Who knows, maybe the uh, Tesol Greece blog might suddenly get 1,000 votes in the next few days, and they, they will then just beat me. But, um, so I'm not, I'm not going to count my chickens, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed and I hope sincerely that I win this one, because then I can add another badge onto the website, and it's going to look all flashy and nice and sort of up-to-date. And then when people visit Luke's English Podcast for the first time, they'll kind of think, hmm, I wonder if this is any good, or if it's just another one of those crap podcasts. Um, and then they'll see the, the winner, you know, the winning badges that I have there, and they'll, that will obviously have a big impact. And they'll think, oh, wow, obviously this is an excellent podcast because it's in, it's been endorsed by so many people uh, that he won this prestigious com uh, conversation no he won this pres prestigious competition um, that would be nice wouldn't it it would it certainly would yes I think you'd agree so thanks very much for voting if you haven't voted then um, go to the blog teacherloop.wordpress.com and there's a post there um, called competition time and click on the link and then you can vote it's really simple. Yeah, it's not complicated at all, is it? Oh, no. No, it's not. Um, what else has been going on? Well, it's, it's freezing at the moment. It's absolutely freezing outside. Um, it's snowing. It's cold. Um, I went out today. It was so cold that like my, my whole head was cold, not just my face, but I could feel my entire head was cold. That's how cold it was. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not a pleasant feeling when your whole head is cold. Obviously, I should be wearing a hat when I go out. I should be wrapping up nice and warm. Uh, so it's very cold here, slightly colder than, than usual in this part of the world. But I'm sure that for some of you, um, it's absolutely freezing. It's probably um, minus whatever, like minus 40. I actually saw a video uh, of a guy in, in Siberia, in Russia, um, at his um, apartment. Uh, on the balcony of his, his building, and it was minus 41 degrees, and he throws a, a pot of boiling water off the balcony, and it instantly freezes in the air and turns into snow. It's quite amazing, actually. So I'm sure that uh, I've got some listeners in various countries where they're just freezing their asses off 
um, sort of sitting there huddled around a fire. Um, I don't know, I, for some reason I'm imagining sort of a, a large group of people all huddled around like a, a little gas fire, all of them wearing very, very uh, warm clothes and sort of like rubbing their hands together, and all listening to Luke's English podcast just to, in a desperate attempt to, to learn some English. I don't know why that's the image I've got in my head, but it is. Um, and if you are doing that, then good for you, and I hope that you survive the winter, generally. Um, so I'm sure some of you are freezing as well. Uh, just keep warm, you know, just uh, drink a hot drink or something. Um, and, but for, for many others, um, I'm sure it's boiling hot and, uh, and amazing outside. You've probably got beautiful blue skies and sunshine. You're probably going to the beach. You might even be on the beach right now listening to this. I mean, considering the number of beaches there are in the world, beaches, okay, beach. That's, it's very important that the, the pronunciation of that word is correct. Beach with a long E sound, okay? I know that, uh, you know, if, for example, if I say, I'm sure that a lot of you are listening to this while you're on a beach, well, you must understand that I mean sunbathing near the sea and nothing else, okay? I know that there are lots of beaches in the world, um, you know, lots of places where you can go and get a suntan. I don't mean anything else. Right. If you are um, sort of on the beach or near the beach or planning to visit the beach uh, soon, then, you know, I hope you have a really great time. Make sure you wear some protection. I mean, obviously by protection I mean some sort of uh, sunscreen, you know, because that can be very dangerous for your health if you do um, visit the beach without protection. Yes. Okay, but it's very cold here, but I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. I've had my tea. Um, I, I managed to import some English tea. My favourite tea is Yorkshire tea, and it's really good. It makes a really good, strong cup of builder's tea. So I've managed to get some Yorkshire tea here and, uh, and some milk. Um, the milk somehow doesn't quite taste the same as it does in England, here in France. I don't know why. It could be something to do with the pasteurisation process. That's the way in which the milk is kind of kept clean or something. Um, but the milk doesn't taste exactly the same. So a cup of tea here, still good, slightly different. It's the kind of French version. It's like le cup of tea, maybe. Um, right, so what's been going on in the news? Well, I've got, um, got with me some sort of news reports. And so what I'm going to do now is go through some of the sort of recent news stories which have caught my attention. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to be covering all of the very serious uh, issues which are going on in the world. I mean, we all are more than uh, familiar with those things just from watching the news, reading the newspapers every day. We all know that, you know, the, the, the world is on the brink of some kind of financial catastrophe or some series of uh, environmental disasters which, uh, you know, really could threaten uh, the lives of many people or certainly the quality of life for many people. It's, it's, you know, also we've got various conflicts going on all over the world, different types of war and terrible sort of atrocities happening. Um, you know, if you are listening to this podcast and you're the sort of, I don't know, you're some kind of evil world leader who likes to, um, uh, I don't know, uh, wage war against his own people just as a way of protecting his own little sort of um, sanctity of... of uh, uh, privilege that he's built up, um, then, you know, if, if my word is worth anything, then just stop doing it, all right? Don't do that anymore. Just be reasonable.
be good to your people, do what they want, don't try and exploit them, don't oppress them or anything like that, please. It's just, it's just not cool. Okay, it's not cool. Um, so I'm not really going to talk about all the serious stuff. Instead, what I've done is I've managed to pick out slightly more light-hearted, slightly more entertaining stories, which I've noticed in the news recently. Um, so let's see. Um, I'm just having a look at um, some stories here. The 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 UK looks like it's going to it's thinking of leaving Europe. But I wonder if that's really going to happen. That's all rather serious, but I mean it's very important. Um, I should probably talk to my dad about this kind of thing. He's very, very knowledgeable, very well informed and very articulate when it comes to the latest sort of quite serious political stories. Maybe that's something I can do with him in the future. But for now, let's have a look at uh, some of the slightly more entertaining stories. Um, okay, right. So, um, okay. It's the new year. A lot of people um, have New Year's resolutions. That's where they kind of make a promise to themselves. They decide, for example, to um, they decide they're going to go on a diet or um, try and live slightly more healthily. Uh, well, if your diet, your New Year diet, is not going very well, then don't worry because help is on its way in the form of a fork, which tells you when to stop eating. So this is actually. You know, like a knife and fork which you use to eat food. Well, someone has developed a fork which tells you when you should stop eating, which might be a good way for you to sort of uh, lose weight. Um, so, so this is this has been designed to prevent users from gobbling down too much food. Uh, the HAPI fork or the Happy Fork monitors the number of times you take food off your plate and vibrates if you're doing it too often. Over several meals, as you learn to eat more slowly, the device gradually increases the amount of time allowed between mouthfuls until it reaches the optimum gap of 10 to 15 seconds. So, sounds like what it does is it tells you when you can take some food off the plate and there's like a vibration which tells you you can do it. And slowly the, the, the gap between the, the vibrations becomes longer and longer until you kind of eat much more slowly and eat less. Could be quite a good idea, actually. Might be a good idea. So the happy fork, check that one out, might be a good way uh, to, to lose weight. But, uh, no, would I use that? Would I use that? I don't think I would use it because I just like eating. I like eating at my own speed. I don't want, to, I don't want some cutlery to tell me how I should be eating. No thanks. Um, I, I don't really want to do that. But, you know, maybe some of you out there, um, maybe some of you out there would benefit from that. Uh, that's up to you. You could probably Google Happy Fork and see what you get. Um, okay, what else has been going on? Well, Tesco, I don't know if you know about Tesco, but it's uh, one of the biggest, it's, in fact, it's the biggest supermarket chain in the UK. But it's been quite a bad week for Tesco because um, the beef burgers in its uh, everyday value range were found to contain a significant amount of horse meat. Um, the investigation by Ireland's Food Safety Authority also found horse meat in products on sale at UK branches of Iceland. So, wow. So Tesco have been selling beef burgers but in fact many of them have contained horse meat so people have been 
thinking they're eating beef burgers, actually they've been eating horse. Uh, and it's not just at Tesco, it's also at Iceland as well. So, wow. Um, the, the, the really amazing thing is that, um, I suppose, I mean, this isn't true what I'm going to tell you, but it's kind of a joke. The reason why that um, investigation was launched is because everyone suddenly um, was very surprised about why uh, Tesco's burgers started to taste better. And after investigation, they realized that they actually contained horse meat. Uh, that's not true. That was just a lame joke. But um, so what's the situation here? Is, is there actually anything wrong with eating horse is, is one of the questions that you, you might ask yourself. Um, well, it depends on your relationship with horses, doesn't it? In the UK, we consider eating horse to be wrong, strange, you know, because our relationship with them is that we have a different kind of relationship, not like a pet, but uh, we certainly value horses in a different way. We feel like we have a connection with them, especially when we're the owners of horses. Uh, traditionally, in our farming past, we've had a, a connection with a horse, as a very useful animal that you have in the farm, also for transport and everything. At one time, the horse was like vital for our, our lifestyle. Uh, London, for example, was full of horses, which would you know, have replaced all of the different transport systems we have now. Everything was done with horses in London, um, you know, before really the underground um, started up. Um, and that was interesting because it, um, it created a hell of a lot of poo so every week in London, there were you know thousands of tons of horse poo would have been generated in the city and then had to be shipped out. Um, not anymore. So um, yes, in the UK, we you know we think eating horses is a bit disgusting. So you can you can imagine how many customers from Tesco's would have been quite shocked to realise that they've been eating horse. Particularly shocking when the burgers themselves are actually advertised as beef. Um, so you buy something, you think it's beef, it turns out to be horse. That's pretty serious. Um, but in many places in the world, uh, people actually do eat horse. Uh, in France, people eat horse. And I know in Japan, for example, they, they eat horse sometimes. Um, in fact, in many places, horse is considered to be very good quality meat, maybe even better than beef. So, I don't know, maybe the customers of Tesco shouldn't be complaining because they've been getting high quality horse, well I'm not, I'm not sure if it was high quality, but they've been getting horse meat instead of beef in their burgers, maybe they, and, they, and they've been paying the uh, price for a beef burger and they've been getting horse burgers instead, maybe they have no reason to complain, it all depends on how you feel about eating a horse, um, you know, do leave a comment below if you think that it's either wrong or normal to eat, eat uh, horse meat. Um, there's been very, there have been various jokes bandied around on Twitter about this. Um, you know, we have an expression in English which is, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. That means, you know, I could eat a lot because I'm so hungry. Uh, but, you know, you might find on Twitter someone saying something like, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse burger. Ha <laughs> ha Very funny. Um, also in the news, it's been a bad week for... The, um, the high street chain of uh, music shops called HMV because um, it went into administration. That means that it's basically gone bankrupt. Um, it can't afford to pay off its, um, its bank loans. Um, it's not making enough money. And so basically it looks like HMV is going to close down 
which is quite sad. Now, I don't know if you have HMV in your countries. I know that um, they have HMV in Japan. Uh, I'm sure it's in some other countries. It's the biggest music retailer in the UK. And um, it's going to close because it's not making enough money. Presumably, well, definitely, because of all the online downloads which occur these days. That's really how people buy their music now, isn't it? They download it from the internet, either by paying for it using services like uh, the iTunes Store or Amazon, for example, or just illegally by downloading it from BitTorrent sites or whatever. However it's being done, um, it is seriously affecting uh, shops that sell CDs and, and records. Um, it's really killing them off, in fact. And, um, well, I don't know if there's anything really um, sad about the death of the CD. Um, I mean, somehow I feel less warm towards CDs than I do towards vinyl records. That was quite sad when vinyl kind of got replaced by CD because vinyl is somehow a more pleasant medium, you know? The big records, they're analogue, you can actually hear this, the, um, the kind of crackling sound of the vinyl when you play it. Um, uh, you can scratch with vinyl, some people say it has a warmer sound, and that was replaced by the digital CDs, which some people say sound a bit kind of too clinical and too clean. Now of course we have the MP3, um, and in fact the MP3s, the quality of an MP3 is much, much lower than it is from a CD or a record. Um, because so many of the, I'm not sure quite how it works, but uh, a lot of the sounds that, that um, we can't actually hear in a, in, a, in, a, in a normal piece of music are cut out of an MP3. Um, so it actually sounds pretty much the same to us, but actually there are many, many different frequencies which are missing. Um, some people say that means that MP3s don't quite sound as good as normal CD or other forms of, of music. Um, it's, but it's also kind of sad that HMV is dying because, um, because well, we sort of love HMV in a way. It's been around for a long time, um, and um, it's just been on the high street selling music for many, many years. And so it's kind of sad to see it go, really. When I was um, a student, I used to spend a lot of time in HMV because I was obsessed with music, still am, and I used to go to HMV to sort of spend time and I would just look at all the, all the CDs they had and I, it was a really great way for me to learn about lots of different music and obviously I would spend most of my money there. Um, after I left university I actually worked in HMV in Liverpool on Church Street in Liverpool for a year full time. Um, I used to love shopping there but working there was not quite the same, in fact it, was, it wasn't really a lot of fun. Um, most of the time I was just sort of um, robotically serving customers and putting receipts in bags and things like that. And when I used to love browsing through all the CDs when I was a customer as a member of staff, it's just annoying having to manage all of those CDs and make sure they're all in the right places and things. Plus, I would spend most of my salary on CDs and DVDs and computer games. So it wasn't really a great place to work. Um, but I feel a little bit sad that HMV is going to go because I've got kind of a connection to the place after having sort of wasted so much of my time as a student there. Um, so fond memories of HMV, but that's it. That's um, um, that's 
that's it, and maybe the end of HMV. What other stories have I got? Well, let's have a little look here. I'm just browsing through uh, the newspaper. I've got an online newspaper here. Um, and so, let's see. Okay, um, so this is interesting. Um, a Belgian woman who planned to drive 80 kilometers to Brussels ended up 1,450 kilometers away after following her sat-nav for two days across Europe. I was distracted, so just kept on driving, said Sabine Moreau, 67. I saw all kinds of traffic signs, first in French, then in German, and finally in Croatian. So wait a minute, this, this Belgian woman wanted to drive to Brussels. She entered something wrong in her sat-nav, and she ended up driving 1,450 kilometers to Croatia because and she didn't notice because she was distracted. She must have been seriously distracted. God, I mean, it's no—it's a wonder that she didn't have an accident if she was that distracted. I wonder what she was distracted by. Anyway, I, I can't imagine. It must have been a telephone conversation or I don't know, Facebook. Uh, I doubt it, of course, because you can't really Facebook when you're driving. You certainly can't Facebook um, when you when you drive 1,450 kilometres from Belgium to Croatia. Come on, my goodness. Um, so anyway, if you're listening, Sabine, I hope you're home now. I hope you, you're all right. And next time you drive, don't Facebook when you're driving. Listen to the sat-nav, okay, because it should get you in the right direction. Hmm. Uh, what, else is, what else is going on? Um, right, health and science. Let's have a little look at that. I'm going to just skip forward to health and science. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Now that's not health and science. That's an article about Gérard Depardieu, who is a French actor, who um, he's kind of like really famous French actor, big fat guy with a big nose. You might know him, Gérard Depardieu. Well, he was kind of considered to be like the ultimate French man, like the the most French man that you could ever meet. But um, Gérard Depardieu has actually left France. He's gone to live in Belgium. Um, and in fact, he's been given a Russian passport by Vladimir Putin. So it's a terrible time for France when France's most French man leaves the country and goes to live in Belgium, of all places. Um, but he says that he had to leave the country because he didn't agree with the, prime minute, the president's policy on tax. The president, Francois Hollande, who's not very popular, um, decided that he would tax the rich at a rate of 75%. So that means that Gérard Depardieu, being rich, would have to give 75% of his money away. And because he disagrees with that so much, he decided to leave the country. I wonder what you would do if you were earning like, millions of pounds or millions of euros uh, every year, and your government asked you to pay 75% of it. Would you do it? Would you agree? Or would you leave the country? Would you leave your home country just because you disagree with that? Um, would you leave your home country rather than contribute 75% of your money to the government? I wonder, is maybe the tax law slightly unreasonable? I wonder. Or maybe um, Gérard Depardieu is just overreacting. It's up to you, really, to decide. Why don't you tell me? Leave a comment. Um, tell me what you think about Gérard Depardieu. Maybe you don't care about him at all. You just think, well, I don't really care about him because he's just a fat, big, fat French man who 
can't um, control his bladder. Um, I don't know if you heard, but uh, fairly recently, Gerard Depardieu urinated on an, on an aeroplane. So he's, he's often in the news because he's slightly strange. But yeah, apparently he recently urinated on an aeroplane. He was like in the plane, he wanted to use the toilet, uh, but because they were taking off, the, the cabin crew said that he couldn't use the toilet. So he just stood up and apparently just pissed on the floor. Um, either that or he tried to piss into a bottle, but most of it ended up on the floor. So, wow, what a colourful character he is. Um, health and science. Well, apparently a killer slug has arrived in the UK. A killer slug. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Luke, what's a slug? Um, well, a sl you know what a snail is? A snail is like a very, very slow creature which might live in your garden. They're very slow, they're slimy and soft and disgusting and they carry a shell on their back um, and they're really really slow and they leave a trail behind them. Um, in France they call it escargot and the French like to eat them um, because they're weird. Uh, not, not snails but the French. Um, that's snails but if you can imagine a snail without its house on its, on its back, a snail with no shell, that's a slug. Okay? And apparently a new type of slug has arrived in the UK and it's, it's being called the killer slug. Um, now this doesn't sound so much like a news story as the plot for a horror film, but here it is. Long-standing fears about an invasion of a killer slug that devours crops, eats dead mammals, and will even feast on dog feces were justified last week when the species, Arion vulgaris, was found in a UK garden for the first time says BBC News Online. The presence of this aggressive species is bad news, said entomologist Dr John Bedford, who identified the Spanish slug in his garden on the outskirts of Norwich. He became suspicious about the slugs on account of their sheer number. Spanish slugs can lay 400 eggs a day, have few predators, and can grow up to five inches long. And voracious eating habits they ate a dead mouse, as well as a wide variety of plants in his garden. And this is just the beginning, warns Dr. Bedford. Millions of eggs and baby slugs are likely to be buried under leaves, waiting to emerge in the spring. Oh my God. So basically what's happened is that this doctor identified some strange things in his garden. He noticed that lots of his plants had been eaten, a dead mouse had been eaten, and then he realised it was these weird Spanish killer slugs. I don't know how they've arrived in the UK, but apparently they can lay 400 eggs every day, so they can like reproduce, multiply very quickly, and they they even eat things like dead mice and dog poo. Uh, now I I don't think it's too bad that they eat dog poo. That's kind of a good thing. In fact, they should probably bring them to to Paris because the streets are so full of dog shit that if they had these killer slugs, they might help to clean things up a little bit. But in your garden, I'm sure you don't want some sort of five-inch long... Five inches is about, I don't know, what, sort of three centimetres per inch? Something like that? No, it's about two and a half centimetres per inch. So five is like ten. It's about 15 centimetres long, half a foot. It's quite a big slug. I'm sure that in spring, 
it's going to be pretty frightening when people go into their gardens and then suddenly realise they're surrounded by thousands of these killer slugs, which are slowly, slowly moving towards people. Can you imagine that, going into your garden, like, oh, it's such a lovely day, looking up at the sky, because the sky's blue, and then before you realise it, you look down and you're surrounded by killer slugs, all of them moving slowly, creeping slowly towards you, and you're so paralysed with fear that you can't run away, you're too scared, you're, you're petrified, and slowly the slugs start to crawl up your trouser leg, and then eat you. Mm. It could be the plot of a kind of a crap Hollywood horror film. Um, if I had $50,000, I would make that film. Killer slugs, just when you thought it was safe to go into your garden. Killer slugs, 3D. It's the kind of film, film you might see in the cinema. Talking of the cinema, um, Quentin Tarantino's got a new film out. Quentin Tarantino, of course, is famous for making... Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, um, Death Proof, and more recently, uh, uh, Inglorious Bastards. And now his new film is called, uh, what's it called? Django Unchained. And it's a little bit controversial, as usual. Most of his films are, are controversial for several reasons. One is that um, the controversy is that the film is very violent and... Um, so a lot of journalists have asked him questions about uh, about that and whether, for example, he, he thinks that films have an impact on people who watch them, um, especially in the light of some recent events in the United States where people have been kind of doing more high school shootings. There was an example in the screening of the Batman movie, The Dark Knight Rises, someone in one of the screenings of that film, decided that he would start shooting people in the cinema. And there's been other cases of high school shootings and so on. Is this the fault of movies? Or is this the fact that in America they, are, they have many guns available? Or is it something to do with American culture that somehow uh, they believe that um, they value their freedom um, so much that they're willing to accept the occasional outbreak of... Um, of violence with handguns. I think it's probably the case, you know. America in really is kind of found has been founded on a certain relationship with firearms. So so much so that the gun represents to the Americans um, freedom and liberty. That they, they have what is it, I think the Second Amendment, which is that everyone has the right to bear arms. Everyone has the right to have a gun. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have the right to use it, does it? I wonder. Um, so anyway, the Quentin Tarantino's film is kind of controversial because of the, the level of violence. But he doesn't believe that um, violence in movies inspires violence in the real world. Uh, maybe because people generally know the difference between the movies and the real world. Um, but he has to admit that um, his film does come out at a time when the, the questions will be asked about the relationship between violence in films and violence in the real world, when there is so much violence among particularly young Americans who, who arm themselves. Also, it's slightly controversial because of the subject. Um, apparently, it's, a, it's about slavery in the, in the USA. I don't really think that Tarantino's films are particularly historically accurate. They're very stylized. But nevertheless, he's chosen to... Um, Talk, uh, to make a film about a slave, uh, an African-American slave, who somehow gets revenge. 
um, on his uh, slave masters or slave owners. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. It stars um, Christoph Waltz, who is, I think, German, and he was in Tarantino's previous film. I think he's brilliant. He's really engaging, really interesting actor who's, who, who can do different languages, and he's, 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 his English accent is excellent, and he's got a real sort of slight sense of menace. He's slightly frightening. He's also quite humorous. I think he's a great actor. And also Jamie Foxx, the... Um, the multi-talented uh, American um, actor, he is a, a singer, I think he's a rapper, he's a comedian, and he's an actor as well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to watching him doing his thing in this film. And Leonardo DiCaprio, of course, um, working with Tarantino, I believe, for the first time. So I always enjoy watching Leonardo DiCaprio. I think he's a really good actor. I love his performances in films like The Departed, and also, um, what else? Shutter Island. And as well as that, um, what's the one about dreams? What's that one called? It's the one where they kind of go into other people's dreams. Inception. Brilliant. Really, really enjoyed those films. So I'm looking forward to seeing Tarantino's latest. There is another, um, there's another film coming out, uh, about, um, Abraham Lincoln. Um, and um, so yeah, I, did, I did have an article about Lincoln here somewhere. Um, so Abraham Lincoln, yes, he's kind of, in America, he's sort of regarded as one of the greatest um, presidents that they've ever had. Many people say that that's because he ended slavery, um, that he was the one who um, actually brought about legislation which finished slavery, which I think we can all agree was a was a great moment in American history, the, the moment when the slaves were, became free. Um, but uh, there's a letter here to the newspaper uh, which seems to suggest that the history that we all believe is not really true, and that maybe the movie that we're going to watch about Abraham Lincoln, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Daniel Day-Lewis, which has been nominated for the Oscars and will probably win something, because I think the Americans are quite passionate about this subject, so, is the account that we're all familiar with actually true? Well, according to this letter, a letter which, is, which has come from um, uh, Alan Sked, the Professor of International History at the London School of Economics, um, he says, Abraham Lincoln was a racist who deliberately started a war that killed more than 650,000 people. He had no intention of freeing slaves, who freed themselves by fleeing to Unionist lines during a war that was going badly for the North and in which they became needed as recruits. So he's, this guy is saying that the slaves actually freed themselves. They escaped and they joined the Northern Army. Um, in September 1862, Lincoln's preliminary emancipation proclamation declared that the South could keep its slaves if it returned to the Union. Slaveholders in the four slave states fighting for the Union were given until 1900 to consider emancipating their slaves. The Emancipation Proclamation itself did not free a single slave, since it was limited to territory controlled by the Confederacy. All right, a bit complicated, but it sounds like Lincoln uh, offered the South. So, you know, in the American Civil War, there were two sides, the North versus the South. The South was, was the part of America that had slaves, and the, the North 
they won the war in the end, um, didn't have slaves. So what Lincoln did as a way of trying to convince the, uh, the South to, to, to become part of the, the Union was that they said, you can keep your slaves if you join the Union. Um, but as we know, they didn't join the Union. And as a result, the slaves escaped and went uh, and joined the Northern Army, the Unionist Army. Okay, we're getting into a bit of history here, but it's pretty interesting, I think so. Um, until the day he died, Lincoln's ideal solution to the problem of blacks was to colonize them back to Africa or the tropics. This was what he told a delegation of free blacks he summoned to the White House in the summer of 1863, where he stressed that the mere presence of blacks caused pain to white Americans. He eventually agreed to the, thir the 13th Amendment, which freed all slaves. So apparently Lincoln actually wanted to send all the slaves back to Africa and that he was convinced to agree uh, to free the slaves. Hmm, interesting. Um, Alan Scared goes on to say, Americans ignore this all, since otherwise the history of the Civil War looks like a, a looks a little... Hold on. Americans ignore all this, since otherwise the history of the Civil War looks little better morally than the US's treatment of blacks before and after. Steven Spielberg's film sustains the myth that Lincoln redeemed the US's racist past. He did not. Okay, so according to Alan Sked, Lincoln, what we know about Lincoln is not true, and that he was actually racist, he didn't care for the blacks, he wanted to send them back to Africa, and that he had to be persuaded to set them free. Well, there, it looks like there's a response to this letter, which I'm going to read to you now. This response comes from a man called David Cowell. Um, and it goes like this. Professor Alan, Sked's Professor Alan Sked's assertion that Abraham Lincoln deliberately started a war that killed more than 650,000 people is difficult to reconcile with the facts. So he doesn't agree. Perhaps it's being posited that by standing for election as president and then having the temerity to win that election, Lincoln started the war. In fact, the Confederates were much keener on war than Lincoln because they arrogantly believed they would win it easily. Professor Sked states that Lincoln eventually agreed to the 13th Amendment, Amendment, which freed all slaves. This gives the impression that Lincoln was reluctant to do so, whereas, of course, he was the main driving force behind Congress passing the law. His efforts to secure its passage are the basis of Steven Spielberg's film. So, according to this, Lincoln uh, didn't choose, uh, didn't deliberately start the war. Um, in fact, um, what happened was uh, he just, the war was going to happen anyway, and Lincoln just happened to become president just beforehand, and that um, he wasn't persuaded to free the slaves, but he actually wanted to do it in the first place. Um, and that's what we're going to see in Steven Spielberg's film. Um, David Cowell goes on to say, Of course, Lincoln was not a saint, but his views on the position and future of blacks in the US changed radically during the course of his presidency. He had to operate in the atmosphere of his time and in the framework of what was politically possible. His achievements need to be judged accordingly and not condemned for failing to satisfy the 21st century criteria. So, yeah, we can't really judge Lincoln um, by the standards of the 21st century, but it seems by the standards of the uh, 19th century, um, 
that uh, he was pretty good. Um, interesting. I actually saw on I saw online uh, an interesting little meme, um, some pictures about some similarities between Abraham Lincoln and um, yeah Abraham Lincoln and Kennedy. Now I'm not sure if any of these are actually true, but I'm going to read them to you now. So you know Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy, both of them US presidents, both of them very popular, um, but it seems that they have many more things in common than we first expected. I don't actually have any way of proving if these facts are true, but if they are true, it's amazing. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not true, but anyway. Um, Maybe you can ask your history teacher about this, if, if they can. So, Abraham Lincoln was elected to Congress in 1846, and John F. Kennedy was elected to Congress in 1946, so exactly 100 years after. Lincoln was elected president in 1860, and Kennedy was elected president in 1960. Both were particularly concerned with civil rights. Both wives lost a child while living in the White House. Both presidents were shot on a Friday. They were both assassinated on a Friday. Both presidents were shot in the head. And now it gets weird. Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy, and Kennedy's secretary was named Lincoln. Both were assassinated by Southerners, people from the South. Both were succeeded by Southerners named Johnson. Um, Andrew Johnson, who succeeded Lincoln, was born in 1808, and Andrew Johnson, who succeeded Kennedy, was born in 1908. John Wilkes Booth, who assassinated Lincoln, was born in 1839, and Lee Harvey Oswald, who assassinated Kennedy, was born in 1939. Both assassins were known by their three names, so that's uh, John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald, and both names are composed of 15 letters. Now hang on to your seat, because there's more. Lincoln was shot at the theatre named Ford, the Ford Theatre, and Kennedy was shot in a Lincoln car, which was made by Ford, the company. Booth and Oswald were both assassinated before their trials, and there's more. A week before Lincoln was shot, he was in Monroe, Maryland, and a week before Kennedy was shot, he was with Marilyn Monroe. But wait, there's more, because Lincoln was shot in a theatre, and then the assassin ran into a warehouse, and Kennedy was shot from a warehouse, and uh, the killer then ran to a theatre. So, amazing coincidences, absolutely amazing. I wonder if they're all true. Um, I, I, to be honest, I'd be quite surprised if they were, but if they are, that's fascinating, incredible. Um, coincidences. Um, okay, what else has been going on? Let me have another little look at the uh, newspaper here on my iPad. Uh, let's have a little look. So, David Bowie. David Bowie is back. Um, now, if you're a Bowie fan, you'll probably already know about this and you'll probably be quite excited. If you're not a Bowie fan, then you probably don't really care. In fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are lots of people listening to this who don't even know who David Bowie is, well, David Bowie is kind of like a seriously brilliant um, British musician 
who started well really in the in the early 1970s um, and made some really classic albums and songs during the 70s and 80s and um, he's considered to be just one of the great talents and great artists in in sort of modern music really I could do a whole podcast about David Bowie and I would love to do that in a nutshell David Bowie's famous because not only did he write some really great songs and record some fantastic albums, really interesting, innovative, um, sort of dynamic um, and original works, but he also went through so many different changes. So he had all sorts of different characters during his career. Um, his body of work is just really um, substantial. Um, he's really great. If you if you don't really know about David Bowie, then get onto YouTube and just do some searches for David Bowie songs. I'm sure that you know some of them, because you will have heard them on the radio. Uh, but he, he's brilliant. And um, about six years ago, he just kind of disappeared. Um, didn't make any music, didn't appear in public, didn't do any interviews, nothing. And that's after he, had, he actually had a heart attack, um, which I think probably caused him to reevaluate what he was doing. He decided, I think, probably to kind of retire. But it looks like he's been working, and um, just last week he released, on his birthday, he released uh, a new song. And it's quite an interesting song. It's not up there with his best work, uh, but it's better than s sort of stuff that he was doing six years ago, I think. Um, Bowie lived in, in Berlin um, in the late 70s, and it was there that he recorded some of his best music and in this new song he talks about he sings about berlin and some of the places that he, he used to go to and the song is kind of sad but strange and mysterious um kind of soothing um wistful it's some somehow it's a meditation on getting old um it's quite touching so i think it's called where are we now so if you just um, google David Bowie, where are we now? You'll be able to listen to it. Again, leave your comments below this episode. Tell me what you think of David Bowie in general, but also what do you think of the new single? Do you think it's any good? Um, has he lost his, his talents? Or is it, um, is it actually a brilliant uh, piece of music? I wonder. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, I think on that note, I think we're going to stop this episode of the podcast. Um, but... Uh, let me assure you that I've, I still have plenty of ideas in my head um, and loads of things that I want to do. I mean, sometimes I talk to you about ideas I have for future podcasts, but then just life gets in the way and I don't manage to, to do them. Um, you know, I've talked to you before about podcasts about skateboarding, um, podcasts about Google Maps and some kind of Google Map game, podcasts about movies and music, and prepositions. Uh, Paula, are you still listening? I've no idea if you're still listening, but you were one of my first listeners back in the old days, back in 2009, and I remember you requesting an episode about prepositions, and I've had lots and lots of requests from people about that, intonation, prepositions and things. I'm sure I'm going to get round to it eventually. I just need to get you know my head down and do some preparation. I'm, I'm you know, still working full-time here, in Paris, I've got a full-time job teaching people um, in various different jobs 
I'm teaching people who work for Renault, the car company, people who work for uh, uh, Charles de Gaulle Airport and Orly Airport. So sometimes I go to the airports and I teach people there. Uh, I travel around Paris quite a lot teaching. So you know, I'm busy and got lots of other things going on. So I don't always have time to, to get myself um, you know, properly prepared to do episodes. But I've got loads of ideas. I, I want to do a series of podcasts uh, called uh, Classic Movie Moments. Luke's Classic Movie Moments. And that's where I kind of visit um, a classic moment from a movie. And we listen to the uh, audio of, of that moment. And then I kind of explain it and talk about it and things like that. So I've got lots of great classic movie, movie moments to, to share with you uh, from some of the great movies over the years. Um, and just loads of other things. So uh, stay, you know, stay in touch. Uh, do send me the old message here and there. Um, find me on Facebook, Luke's English Podcast. Twitter, at English Podcast. YouTube, that's Luke's English Podcast on YouTube. Um, and, of course, uh, WordPress, Podomatic, iTunes, and everywhere else. Thank you again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. Thank you very much for voting, because you're directly contributing to the success of this podcast. So thank you very much for that. Uh, if I win, then I owe it to you, my listeners. You're wonderful people. You're extra special. You're magical. You're, you're brilliant. And, you know, you're just, you've just got impeccable taste because you choose to listen to one of the finest examples of English on the internet for free. That's right. It's Luke's English Podcast, and you've been listening to it. That brings me to the end of this episode. Thank you very much again. <coughs> one of these days, I'm going to lose my voice from just not being able to, to finish episodes of Luke's English Podcast, but I can see on the screen here that my jingle is about to come up in just a few seconds, so I'm going to keep talking like this in a very exciting way, because as I said earlier on in the episode, recording episodes of Luke's English Podcast is dangerous and exciting and risky stuff. We never know, for example, whether I'm going to manage to keep the sentence going, or if I'm going to stop talking at any time, maybe I'll just run out of words. One of these days, maybe I'll just use all my words up, and I won't have any words left. And then I'll just be kind of like completely mute and I won't be able to record it anymore. But I hope, I hope that that won't happen. I certainly will be doing everything I can to prevent that from happening so that I can keep speaking to you like this. That's it. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks very much for listening to Luke's English Podcast. Don't forget you can visit teacherluke.podomatic.com for more information. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.